Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, your host, and today's quote is by Jack Welch. Before you become a leader, success is all about growing yourself. After you become a leader, success is about growing others. And we have an amazing guest for you today. Kathy Hadizadeh is a former technology executive with a background in prominent companies like DirecTV, AT&T, and Omnicon, has extensive industry exposure spanning technology, entertainment, marketing, and fintech. And in 2018, she established Heart-Mind Tuning, aiming to offer holistic leadership executive coaching, and a mindful leadership ethos to senior figures in the tech, product, and engineering realms. She does a lot. You're going to love her distinctive storytelling, wisdom. I can't wait to share her with you. Kathy, welcome. How are you today? Thank you, Heather, for having me, and thank you for the introduction. I'm doing great. Oh, good. I'm so excited to share your story. How about before we dive into any questions that I have, you let us know if there's anything that I missed in that very brief bio about your journey that you want to make sure our listeners know. Um, The only thing that I want your listeners to know is that my journey was not a very linear journey. That one day I woke up and I decided, oh, today is the day that we are moving from corporate America into an entrepreneurship and I'm going to start this company and I can replace the big fat paycheck that I was getting from corporate America with going on a new journey. I just wanted to mention that to folks because... There are a lot of people I see, especially in tech, that are thinking of different avenues or maybe this is not for this anymore or I'm tired of it or I'm bored. Yes, if you really are set, there are other things to explore, but know that at least for me, that was not a linear journey. You know, they talk about that, how it's you, you can just lay out the path or that overnight success or all of these things that we have this expectation. And then you get the real story, the real lowdown of what's involved. It's all, of course, worth it, but it's not it's not linear. That's for sure. That's for sure. So let's talk a little bit about fear, you know, with it being from fear to fire. So what do you think? living in fear looks like oh my god such a good question heather because i have experienced it um living in fear can first of all we have to understand that fear can have different dimensions uh we there are real fears out there not by real fear i mean real danger that Mm -hmm. translates into fear and there are uh fears that we make up in our mind Mm-hmm. And we torture ourselves with it. I want to make that distinction because in my life, I had the chance of experiencing both of them. I come from Iran originally. And I remember when Iran was in at war with Iraq and I was in high school back then. 
there were uh, times that um, the Iraqi the Iraqi airplanes would come and throw missiles on Tehran. And yes, anybody could die at any moment. And we used to leave, uh, we used to sleep under our dining table <laughs> at that time <laughs> to protect ourselves. So there was an imminent danger that anybody's life could be terminated, all of those kind of things. That was, that was a fear. There was a fear in there, but there was kind of a real danger, like the dangers of the saber tooth that were hunting our uh, ancestors back then. Um, but later on in life, I grew fears out of my own social and psychological constructs. And that's an interesting fear because I think in this day and age, there is not, there might be more of that happening to our society. Uh, my heart goes to everybody who is living in Palestine and Israel with whatever is happening right now, because that is a real danger as we spoke with them that can cause fear. But in our society, as we live in this Northern America life, a lot of it is the fear that we construct in ourselves. I give you an example. For example, we build a life around um, the paycheck that we make and the fear of losing that paycheck and that livelihood that we have built, that is a construct that we lean into it and we get attached to it and we can grow more and more fear around that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think that you've really hit on something very important in separating the two, because I think that sometimes we lump them together and it's important to recognize it. Do you think that people ever have that second construct fear that, that, and not know it? Do you think that we sometimes play games with ourselves or do you think we know? Um, I think it is possible that we don't know because mm -hmm. look at this. It is a it's a build up over time, so it's kind of like cohabiting with somebody. Realize what you are living with, uh, so we sometimes get very used to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to invite your people as audience as they are listening to us to think about their voices in their head, how many of those we have, and we don't even acknowledge that this is a voice in my head. It is not real. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love that. You, it's so funny because just this morning I was chatting with somebody and, and I hear, I heard this weird noise and we got on this funny conversation about, oh, is that just the voices in my head? But we all have them, you know, the, you, and it's, it's, it's incessant. And I find that sometimes with the, the people that I work with, but also with myself, mm -hmm. you, you say things to yourself mm -hmm. that you would never say to a friend or even some like an enemy. We don't, we, we are, not kind to ourselves at times. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any words of wisdom for someone out there who's listening who might not even realize, or maybe they do realize, and they need to shift how they speak to themselves? I like your question because it brings some action for our audience, mm -hmm. uh, which the action is paying attention. Yeah. And then paying attention to the fact that, number one, is common humanity. We all have that. So you are not an exception. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times in mindfulness programs, people ask me, oh, I think like this and that and that. Is is it really me or is other people are like that too? And yeah, I mean, humans, we all have those uh, voices. 
and those sayings in our head. And the thing that having that voice is not a differentiating factor. The differentiating factor is how you deal with that voice. Mm -hmm. Key in here. Does the voice make me shut down? Does the voice belittles me? Uh, belittle me? Does the voice make me go and hide in my own cave? Or am I able to recognize the voice, not fight it, and still move on? Mm hmm. So voice is not going to go away in a day or two or one week or whatever. It takes work. And it is not even going away. I mean, I have been on this journey for at least eight years that I know of. And still, I catch myself having that voice. Um, in my case, I have a, I have discovered I have a syndrome, a what-if syndrome. And, <laughs> and you know, as uh, the thing is, as I... Uh, I'm presented with new opportunities. Sometimes I do not think of what if this goes amazing. I think of what if it doesn't go the way I'm thinking it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And I call it what syndrome because it can happen to anybody is because of that negativity bias that we have in our minds to protect ourselves. But that is not real protection. The negativity bias that we have in our minds that I think is prevalent out there in the world and it feeds off of each other right we feed off of what's out there and vice versa I was laughing when you first said that because one of my twins had a game that he would play when he was little okay. one of them is the what if game and the other one is the would you rather game and his game always involved would you rather get eaten by a shark or and like there was never anything like or you know play on the swings it was like it was all the bad so do you want to get eaten by a shark or be in a pit of venomous spiders I'm like, why do I have to be in either of these places but that's what we do right we come up with the worst case scenarios our brains are are uh, a little bit uh, shady at times and trying to undermine us right very true, but look at our world. I mean, look at the world of horror movies. Mm. They have gone to the next level of everything you can possibly think. And I think that impacts our world. That impacts our energy in the world. Because how, how can you push this amount of thinking about how can how more can I cause gore and fear and, and horror in people? We have to be cognizant of the energy that is around our, ourselves in this world. I love that cognizant of the energy that we are. I like that very much. Now, I would love for you to share your process of moving from fear to fire, but I guess I'd like to first start with the question, <laughs> have you experienced or what have you experienced that's a, a fear or a challenge that you overcame? Share with us your personal pro process so that maybe you people can resonate with that story. Well, I, I like the fact that you use the word process, so, but I want to put it out there that I don't think there is any universal <laughs> process anywhere because this can be a very unique journey for anyone out there. So let's just put it flat out there that, you know, I'm going to share my story and you take whatever lands with you out of this, this story. And so it's not like a recipe going line by line uh, kind of thing. Um, one of the biggest fears I faced in life was um, when I had um, 
when I had a really simple accident, at least in my mind, it sounded like a simple accident because I was playing with my child in the playground and it happened while I was playing with him. And um, at that time, that simple accident over 24 hours became a concussion and over two months became a post-concussion syndrome and became a really a situation that I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk, I couldn't think, I couldn't focus, I couldn't look at the screen even for one second. So I was, in a, within a matter of second, I was pushed into this realm of going from seemingly being a very successful person and very able to manage my life and a lot of other people's lives, my kids, my husband, my family, into being very much in need of how do I even go from point A to point B, or even if the food is available, how do I get myself to the food to feed myself? Really basic, simple things in life that normally we do not even think of that. We just go and grab the food. The food is there. Uh, <laughs> but that was one of the most challenging things in life that I experienced, especially on top of that, because the medical community that I highly respect and I always believed science has an answer told me, well, we don't have an answer for you, basically. Mm. You are on your own to figure out how you're going to survive with this. They didn't say you're going to get out of this. They said how you're going to survive with this. Mm. And there's a very big difference between when you are up for survival versus when you have a hope that, oh, by this date, this thing should evolve into a next stage and that was a very big challenge Heather for me at that time not only me but because I had two little kids it was for us as a family unit for my parents who saw, saw their daughter morph into that situation so it was a very I would say complex situation what did you do to, to pull yourself out of it well we don't want to go into a another biggest story but the things that is important for our our talk today since we are talking about from fear from fear to fire um one thing that stood out for me in this journey was curiosity mm -hmm. and allowing myself to become very curious about what is possible um, there was one sentence out of what the neurologist told me. The neurologist told me, I don't have anything to give you, but you need to relax your brain. Oh. And uh, as I was being helped out of his office, I remember me telling my husband, he said, I need to relax my brain. What does that really mean? What does he want me to do? And that was a very big beginning because I became curious about what does he mean by that? How do I relax an organ that does not really sleep? Even during the sleep, we our brain is working um, through uh, working on our subconscious thoughts. So it's a very important thing to understand what does that mean for me? So I went on a journey and because I did not have the ability to go on the internet and Google, whatever that means, because I couldn't look at the screen, it became a journey like the story of Hansel and Grotel, 
that some of people might remember that there was these breadcrumbs in the in the jungle. I really was following the breadcrumbs. Like even if I could look at the screen for two minutes, I would take advantage of that. And it really became like that. I really followed the breadcrumbs to finding ways to get myself out of that situation. Wow. I mean, it must have taken so much um, determination, right? That's that's resilience. And and how long ago was that? This was back in 2016, 2017. And how are you now with everything? Well, the situation, it does not go away. It is, mm-hmm. it is a situation that I live with it. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of, coexistence in a way that I have to be very mindful of my capacity, my energy, what I can do or cannot do, not pack my days, like things that is very uh, common to people. I have to think about it. Like if you, if I, like for people, maybe a 50 mile drive is nothing for me. It is not the case. I have to think about, I cannot do it later in the day. I can do it early in the morning. Or I have to make sure that I meditate on the way mm-hmm. so that my brain doesn't get very tired. So by the time I get there, I have like a major headache. That So mm-hmm. I have learned to live with it in a way that I can have a productive life the way I would like to have. But at the same time, it is still happens. I still get the headaches and I'm very transparent with my with the partnerships I make in the in my business with my clients, I'm like when I'm not able to do it, this, I have the headache. I am dysfunctional, yeah. and I'm very clear about it. People who work with me, a lot of them know that. Um, the partnerships, the companies, they I work with them. I'm very transparent about it. So that's another thing. How many people are very willing? to go and be transparent about the situation that they are dealing with it when it comes to their health. Something. You know, to- there's so many parts of this, Kathy, that are so important for people to take and consider themselves. The, the curiosity that you started with, that mm-hmm. is a way to solve problems, mm-hmm. to not jump to what we think or even what someone else has told us, to get curious about what are the possibilities here. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the transparency, the communication, whether someone has something like what you experience or in every day in their own lives, what, how it shows up for them, increasing mm-hmm. their ability to communicate clearly mm-hmm. often um, mm-hmm. is is important for everyone. Everyone out there listening right now can mm-hmm. benefit from mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is this when you started the heart mind tuning or did this come later or before that i'm just looking at the timeline of it so but this is an interesting thing one of the things that happened was that when i was at direct tv i was really lucky to be um, under a leadership that decided we want to see how we can have fearless leaders in an it organization mm-hmm. And IT is an organization that normally has a lot of deadlines and the pressure. 
And so with that comes a lot of fear because people are afraid of making mistakes. People are afraid of losing the deadlines, missing the deadlines. So this that is a very prevalent factor. And going into an organization that wanted to make a change in that and embrace the possibilities of failure and putting it on the table and help people go beyond that, that was very fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. And I discovered how much programming I was holding um, and all my life that I had never questioned them. So that was just a spark at that time. Can I can I look at things differently from what I have been told and learned and um experienced in life so that was a spark which really was very valid for me and, and I started questioning a lot of my even on my own choices in life and fast forward to the time that this accident happened um, and I was in this situation I remembered that but that wasn't helping me at that time two things helped me in my journey when I was getting out of this situation. One of them was mindfulness meditation practice. And the other one was uh, coaching. I hired a coach that helped me tremendously to be able to see such a, I can say dark situation Mm -hmm. in a very different light. So I was almost in silence for two years, almost. Um, And one thing that, came to me after those two years was like what do I want to do when I'm able to function again and do I want to go back to my tech world do I want to do something else and that work with that I experienced with direct tv was very vivid in my mind Mm -hmm. and this coaching and mindfulness as I told you was really a, a game changer for me so that was why I in a in a mindfulness class that I was a teaching assistant for it at that time and the focus was on aging mm-hmm. I wrote what I wanted to see to unfold for me after I was functional again and that was an interesting thing that's how in total I went into this path to become certified in the coaching and I started that path in 2018 I started heart mind tuning with that vision of how do I want to bring more of that fearless thinking uh, into the leaders in tech product and engineering but honestly I didn't know how I'm going to go about that with all the limitations I had it was an idea but I started one client and things grow after that but not linear. <laughs> not linear. Thank you, Heather. No. Far from linear. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your story. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about transformation. Mm-hmm. You and I, I both both have a a, a focus in mm-hmm. this area, and uh-huh. so can you share with our listeners? A little mm-hmm. bit more about what transformation looks like. What's what's transformative leadership, or or what they should know about that? Uh, beautiful, because the word transformation is being used very loosely. The same as mindful, mm-hmm. mind action is being is being used very loosely. So the biggest thing about transformation is that 
transformation is a process through which you will be able to feel differently and as a result, act differently in this world. So it is not a theoretical, knowledge-based, just let's learn more theories or ideas. It is not that. You can learn all you want, but the real transformation is when you have, are actually doing things differently. That is the real transformation when you are behaving differently. So think about it. I give an example. For example, imagine that people are people's, you know, if they say a thing to their child one time, two times, three times, the first time they might raise their voice. They might use a different language. If an example of transformation is to get to the point that even if you have to repeat yourself four times, five times, six times, you are able still to keep your voice down and not change your language. And that comes from internally not getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. And how can you build that in yourself? That is an example of transformation. Mm. Now, when it comes to leadership, how does that manifest? So imagine people thinking about performance. That's that's a good one. People always think, oh, performance, how do I get uh, my folks to perform better at a higher level? And traditionally, we have had a lot of performance management ratings, performance yeah, management ratings, PMRs, that People are associated with a number. They mm. have some leadership competencies, whatever it is, and it is met, exceeded, didn't meet. And people know that didn't meet is a bad sign. And met feels very dry, in my opinion, <laughs> personally. Yeah. And exceeded doesn't really happen for people much. People who are in corporate world probably can relate to this. I know the world has changed tremendously from maybe when maybe years ago but it's still that is them that is what is happening now there are some leaders who are questioning how can i move from this number based system into a system that we are not so tied to just a number or that those words fair question it starts with you it starts with you wanting to act as a manager as a coach and what does that mean? It means that you have to move from having those formal performance cycles into having more conversations, mm -hmm. into having a continuous feedback loop, not wait for a six months or a year to give feedback to somebody, but having that continuous loop, which what does it translate to? That you be able to listen. Mm -hmm. that you be able to listen at a different level, that you're able to embrace people at a different level and be able to connect with them as a human, not just a resource for you. So these are all capacities that one needs to build. And then when they build that, they will act differently. And that's the real transformative leadership you're talking about. I love this so much, Kathy. This is very powerful um, because it, it seems simple, <laughs> however, <laughs> and it, it actually is, right? But but it's not because it's not being done and it's not necessarily being fostered. And it can be, it can be. 
very simply moving from feeling differently that allows you to behave differently to change results, right? And and I think that this is fantastic. Do you have do you have a story or anything that you've seen happen that is a is a great way to um, help people wrap their heads around it even more? Definitely. But before I say that, I want to give a side note, which is the word simple. Hmm. The word simple is such a treacherous word because the simplest things are the hardest things. Yes. And that is really, really something that we all need to pay attention to. We all use these smartphones that, yes, they are very sophisticated. There's a lot of technology that goes into them. But you give it to, to a six-month-old, even, I don't know, one-year-old, they, they figure out. You push yeah. button, and that is that is really simple. But in our cases, in some cases, I ask a person to be with their breath for one minute, and they come back and say, oh, my God, that was so hard. The ask is simple. The ask is simple. Pay attention to your breathing. Your breathing, pay attention to that. The ask is really simple. So I want to draw the attention to the fact that the simplest things are not the easiest things. That is so true. Not. Just a side note, because that's an interesting piece. Now, going back to the stories of transformation, <laughs> I give you the example of a leader that I worked with recently. When we met back in January 2023, he came and said, oh, I have, I have to be honest with you that I think everybody needs to be fired. And, um, and um, that was his genuine feeling that people, the bar that he had for people was really high, which is not a, not a bad thing, especially in certain areas of tech, you need to set the bar really high. Mm -hmm. um, but we went on a journey together to explore where does it come from, that ideology? How does it that translate to a workforce? And how we can use that ideology for, um, for making a better team rather than wanting to um, fire everyone? Because firing yeah. your mom, obviously is not a sustainable solution. And uh, we really looked into what is possible. And one of the things that um, this leader had a really beautiful openness, I have to say. So in a re retreat that he had, we looked into using um, a disk assessment with the team. Mm -hmm. So he understood what is his own disk assessment style, what are the what is the team composed of. Mm -hmm. The people that he feels strongly that needs to leave the organization, what what is their their kind of assessment? What is their leadership types? What are their characteristics? And what are the who are the people are really who are really working well with his ideology? So we looked at the mix of the team, and for the first time, he allowed himself to stay with people that he believed that need to leave the organization and really give them a chance really give them a chance and that's a transformation because oh yes you can it's not hard if you're higher up it's not hard to let hr know that these people are not meeting whatever standard is it that you have but the journey is 
can I allow myself to give this person a chance and become curious what is not working, what is working, and see if they can prove themselves. And if they cannot prove themselves, at least make it known to them, this is why you are being let go, rather than putting a person on a chopping block and cutting them off. And that is humanity in action, because nobody wants to be fired. Let's face it, nobody. I don't think anybody can say, oh yeah, please fire me. <laughs> um, so we went through this journey together and this is what now, October is 10 months later and he's being promoted even to a higher level from where he was. And he says that one of the biggest things that he sees is that he how he has, the, the team is working coherently, the people that he needed to leave it was done in a way that they were at peace even with the decision to leave the organization. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is not working for me. I need to leave. And the fact that he now knows many, he's hiring the person under himself to, since he's moving to a higher position, what is it that he needs to really pay attention to so that the team is fed from a leadership perspective. Because the team is technically doing really well. They are doing well. But the team needs to be feel like they are developing, they are growing. So he's paying to that to that aspect of a, another person that he's hiring, which was something that was not in his radar before. Mm-hmm. So these are examples of transformation. He's acting differently in this world. He's making different decisions. Mm, that's a wonderful story. That's a wonderful story. And it really drives home what you were talking about. You know, I I could spend so much more time with you, Kathy. We are flying through this 30 minutes. I'm sure that there are people who are listening, who are wondering how they can get a hold of you, how they can find out more about you or, or get to know you better. Can you share the best way for people to reach you? Well, if you like what you're hearing, Connect me with, with me. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. I have an extensive LinkedIn network, and uh, also you can go to my website. And if you need to have a chat, please reach out. Always happy to chat and see how I can support your leadership and your organization. Thank you. And listeners, don't worry. We'll put those links directly into the show notes so it makes it nice and easy for you to get to Kathy. So Kathy, it's time for your final parting words of wisdom. Is there anything else that you want to make sure our listeners leave with today? Yeah, there is one thing that I invite always people to pay attention to and which is allowing yourself time to reflect. In that pause, because our word pushes us to be on 24-7. And that is not a productive thing for our brain, for our mind, for our performance. So anybody who is listening to us, I invite you to give yourself that very much needed pause during this day and maybe every other day of your life. Mm, That's powerful. And it's freeing. 
Thank you, Kathy, for your wisdom today. And thank you, listeners. If you enjoyed this conversation with Kathy, send it out, share it with a friend. We love when you do that. And we love when you let us know what you think. So thank you for that. And we look forward to seeing you all again next time. Thank you.